Welcome to the High Performance CEO Podcast. This show is made with one purpose, to help you create a self-driven and engaged high-performance organization, where we deliver you proven strategies and expert interviews on how to drive significant profit growth, create a stress-free ownership culture, and give you the time freedom you always wanted from your business. And now, here's your host, highly sought-after business growth strategist and executive coach, Patrick Rogers. This is Patrick Rogers here. Welcome to the High Performance CEO Podcast. And today we have a special guest. We have the privilege to have Professor T. Wu on the show. And Professor T. Wu is the CEO of PMO Advisory. Welcome to the show, Professor. Thank you so much, Patrick. Glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit about Professor T. He's the CEO and CPO of PMO Advisory, a project management training and consulting firm that establishes projects, programs, portfolios, and PMOs for companies, including Global 500 and nonprofit organizations. He's an associate professor at Montclair State University and chair of Project Management Institute's Portfolio Management Standard Committee. T, T is certified in portfolio program project and risk management. So I can't wait to dive into everything, into your journey, into PMO advisory, what you guys are doing, uh, Dr. Professor T. But before we do that, what is one interesting fact about yourself that not many people know? Well, starting this year, I actually started taking Tai Chi. And one thing I learned about Tai Chi is that there's nth level of death that one can go to. You know, the simple movement that you sometimes see people doing videos and Uh coordinated with breathing, coordinated with the thought process, coordinated with the grounding. And it really applies well to the field that I'm in, which is business management, project management, business execution, because the devil is really in the details. Mm. So when you see somebody else doing a project going well, you think, oh, that must be an easy project. But yeah. they probably went through hurdles. And if you open the hood, so to speak, and look into the, 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 the car, it yeah. is messy. But because of all the intricacies and details, and with some luck, of course, yeah. Well, so yeah. my big lessons, I think a little bit about me is I started taking Tai Chi, but from Tai Chi, I'm learning a lot about management, about business execution, about project management. Wow. That's so cool. I, I love how when you take something that is physical, which is still mental, very mental Tai Chi, absolutely. And then you're able to kind of correlate that to how and apply that into business and, and learn something from it. That's so cool. Yeah. Awesome. So so tell us uh, more about PMO Advisory and your journey. Uh, absolutely. I found PMO Advisory in 2012. It is a professional project management training and consulting firm. And back in 2012, we started helping companies with project management, really in the field of helping them lead particular project or maybe uh-huh. start big and complex projects. So you start in the right way. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from Lao Tzu is, thousand mile journey starts with the right step, uh, first wow, step. Yeah, the first step, right. sure. Um, but we also quickly became a training company. I'm one of the most um, early certified person, the most certified person in project management at the time was project portfolio management, for example. So from there, we embarked becoming more of a training company. So fast forward today, we are both a training company. We train a lot of the PMI project management 
Institute certifications, such as PMP, PGMP, PFMP, uh, which I have them. But we also help organizations, especially nonprofit organizations. We love working with nonprofit to set up the right project management office, to lead projects, and just to do projects right. Because ultimately, the power of any idea is Mm -hmm. to bring it to fruition. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it may not be worth the paper it's written on. So that's our Perfect. belief, how to really make ideas work, how to actionize ideas um, and implement them in the right way to achieve the benefits. Now, I love that because it's just like in business, you know, when a CEO is working on a, a strategy and, and alignment and execution, you, you know, 1% of it is vision and 99% of it is the alignment and the execution. So it uh, sounds like that carries directly over. And that's absolutely true. And, you know, a lot of studies, and these are, to be fair, anecdotal studies, because it is very hard to get scientific studies. If you look at the field strategic project, which are these large, complex, transformational projects, you know, roughly about only 10% are truly successful. Mm-hmm. In other words, the other 90% either fail or suffer greatly. And mm-hmm. you could look at mergers and acquisition that help uh, happens all the time in which sure. a great amount of wealth are wasted. Because a lot of it, really is sort of the lack of attention to that detail uh, and be realistic about what's accomplishable in the implementation side. So that's my hope is PMO Advisory provides some real evidence, data-driven approach, best practices to help organizations become better implementers. Got it. So you offer two uh, services then. You have one, which is you have project managers in-house that will either remotely or however that is, maybe in person, actually come on board with a company and and oversee the project management responsibilities. And you also have a project management training institute, if you will, where people can send potential project managers from their company to learn your system of project management and it's PMI uh, PMI certified. Is that right? Yes, PMI certification. So you, you're absolutely right. Um, cool. We jokingly say we... we perform or we do what we preach or what we train. So everything we train, we try to make it real and applicable on the consulting side. As a matter of fact, most of our trainers are consultants. And so we help not to just lead projects, but Mm -hmm. to build the methodologies, the foundation, the project management office that oversees and guides all the projects. So it's not just helping the client to fish, so to speak, and bring the fish to them but also teach them how to fish. So the two sides synergizes very, very well. They kind of play well together. Great. Is there a certain size company or, or certain industries that do best with your programs? Uh, absolutely excellent question. I think our biggest value is really more of the medium-sized companies. Uh, definitely not the smallest one because the smallest yeah. one probably still in startup mode. Right. You know, They have the can-do attitude and they're small enough that frankly, they could get away with some of the processes and people may see that as bureaucratic. Right. At the largest company level, Fortune Global 500, which we have some of those clients. Sure, we sure. We have it at more of a divisional and departmental level, not across yeah, the entire right, enterprise. Right. We don't totally. have the scale to serve them. Yeah. The sector that we do particularly well and that we are frankly enthusiastic about helping is the nonprofit sector. Uh, some years ago, back in about 2015, I did a study and I do primary research myself. Uh, as you know, I'm also a university professor. And one of the things that I often question is what makes a what makes great execution, business execution? Mm. 
And the short answer is it needs to have the solid business acumen, project mm. management, management, whatever that may be. But it also needs to combine with the sense of mission, the energy, the enthusiasm uh, when it comes to people Absolutely. Who in that environment. And you know, at a broad stroke, nonprofit people are firmly believing in their mission. Definitely they, more engaged in their mission. Absolutely. So when you have the ability to provide the business sense with that of the energy level, enthusiasm, mm. that is the perfect plan. So our favorite clients are usually nonprofit. Got it. Yeah, because they're more likely to be more involved, more passionate about what you're doing. You know, and it's not it's not impossible though for a profit company to have that passion. It's just a little sometimes it's a little bit harder because they're not as mission driven like you said. People who work for nonprofits, they're absolutely passionate about what they're doing. That's a general. And, and, and no, you're absolutely right. So our data set was actually the results a bit mixed. If you look at the nonprofit in general, so in general, the government sector ranked the worst in terms of the business uh, execution ability. The next sector that doesn't do too well is actually the nonprofit. Follow that is by the private organizations, private companies for profit, and then the larger companies, typically 10,000 people or above, and some of them are in the Fortune Global 500. But we notice anomaly in the nonprofit data because it swings a lot, has the greatest standard deviation. Mm -hmm. So we took a closer look at it and we noticed the top 10% of the nonprofit actually out-execute um, in our system than the Fortune 500. But it's only Interesting. the top 10%. So the rest of 90% is waiting down the entire sector. Yeah, yeah. The top got it. 10% excels. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very interesting stats. So, so tell me then, you know, when we kind of dig into project management, why is it that that, you know, what are typically the things that when people try to manage projects on their own or large scale projects initiated by companies, what are the determining factors of whether they're going to succeed or fail? You know, that's a great question. So, stay on the large and complex project side. There could be, first of all, myriads of factors, but based on what I have seen. The one, some of the top problems, and I wouldn't put them in any ranking order because it does depend on situation. One is just understanding the nature of the problem and the solution to it. Uh, for example, I recently wrote an article uh, about Elon Musk, Twitter, and the rebranding to X. Yeah. To me, that frame is wrong. Um, to me, it is not a rebranding. Twitter is going to business transformation, maybe even a turnaround situation. So if you just look at it rebranding, then you're limited to really more of the marketing superficial layers. But right, totally different to us. problem. Yeah. Transformation, you're mm. looking at the underlying processes, mm. not just the customer side, but also the underbelly of the organization, the operational processes, how they manage security. How do they manage reliability? Uh, for example. So to me, one of the big problems is organization often just undermine the problem at stake. And this is probably, by the way, true for most of failure in merger and acquisition. Uh, AOL Time Warner is the classic case, the greatest evaporation. Right. Process, yes. Right? Um, this is because the organization just see, oh, there's two companies coming together. These are some of the things we could do. Let's form an integration team. Right. But you really have to get to the cultural side. Um, get to the people side, not just the technology and not just the process. Um, I would say number two problem, if I will pick on a second one, would be a problem of having strong leadership. Uh, one of the things I have done in my previous life is I run big portfolio and we have big projects. And one of the yeah. things I ask for is, do we have a leader willing to fight 
you know, on his or her record uh, career for this particular project. If there's mm-hmm. nobody willing to go to bat, uh, and big projects are full of conflicts, somebody has to be championing it. Uh, that's another recipe for disaster. Uh, and you could see that, take uh, government sector, Obamacare, 2013 or 14, when he introduced a website. Uh, it was a big failure at the time. Later, he was able to fix it. But clearly, there was no single person in charge all the way going mm-hmm. up to the Secretary of Health and Human Services. Yeah. And that's a big high. Or go to a president, that's even higher. Right, right. So you need to have somebody willing to fight for it. So to me, those are you know the top two concerns. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the other one you were kind of talking about was really it kind of sounded just building on that with the culture coming back to the cultural side of things kind of almost sounded like you said people often focus on the technology, but for really forgetting the human aspect. Is that kind of another way of saying the same thing? Yes, actually, if you will go to the third one, a lot of projects these days, especially big projects, inevitably involve technology because they're enabled to so many things. Yeah. Often technology projects are not just technology. It takes people to use it. It takes the technology itself will require people to um, operate it. So anytime when we think about these large transformational changes, whether it's technology related or not. It is really all about people. It is about empowering people. And sometimes you have to be frank. Maybe a person may be working themselves out of a job, and that may very well be the case. I mean, we do live in a market economy, capitalist society. But organization could be upfront about that, try to figure out what's next for the person and be respectful of that situation instead of trying to shove it under the rug, make everybody feel happy on the outside, but underneath they know what's going on. People are smart. So all of these projects, one of the other huge determining factor, maybe not just in the execution phase, because execution phase, you could have an army literally run through it, but now the army is there to stay. The project is done, the work, the deliverables are there to stay. People have to use it, people have to apply it. And that's where a lot of the problems start to occur. Um, Mm. One of the areas that I have seen a lot, for example, technology management project. To me, there aren't many good examples of solid uh, success stories in this entire space. Mm. Mm -hmm. One is because people pushing for technology, let's put in a knowledge management system, whatever that may be. Yes, the tool is hard, but at the end of the day, people don't use it. So Yeah, there's still the people aspect. Got it. Yeah. And so you're, you're kind of your training program and your process, you're hitting these from the core, from the beginning, you're addressing these outright and you're teaching other companies how to make sure that these are not going to be things that's going to sink them later in the, in the project. And that's absolutely right. Now, to be fair, my record of success is somewhat mixed too, because it does, we can recommend uh, we could help implement. But, <laughs> yeah, they don't yeah. have to follow exactly what right. we're recommending, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, I get it, that as a consultant, you know, sometimes they 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 choose not to listen. Well, okay, all right. Right. Yeah, I mean, you could lead the horses to the water, but yeah. they still got to drink yeah. it, right? Yeah. So, but we try to do things right. We're very thoughtful as a company. Um, we try not to jam anything down anybody's throat. Why? Because that is a recipe for definitely disaster or at least poor adoption later on. Um, We try to work with the human factor. We try to identify leaders and champions to make sure they're rightly empowered to do so. Um, And we also try to frame the problems in the best way that we know how. 
So the word we use a lot in my company is called optimizing. We try to optimize things because there is no perfect solution to these large problems. Um, there are often going to be very difficult choices the company have to make, and some of them could be uncomfortable. But we all do the best we can, and we try to make informed, data-driven decisions. So uh, I don't know if you ever read the book Bold, but it's it's something I'm I'm working through, and it's actually an amazing book. But one of the things they talk about in there is how uh, automation and AI by the year 2029 just going to absolutely decimate. I forget the percentage of jobs, but it's a huge, massive percentage of jobs. T tell us about what you see in, in the future of project management and AI. No, that's a really good question. I have to say, I'm not sure if I'm the best visionary in the world, but what I do see is AI and technology. Let, let me reframe this a little bit. The route to digitization has started in the 70s yeah. and it has accelerated faster and faster um, now we have AI taking hold. Mm. So I see jobs being replaced um, by technology really from fairly early on. Actually, one of the reasons that my company was formed in 2012 was, if you remember at that time, that was right after the Great Recession. Right. I'm a university professor. I see a lot of um, students, graduates who are taking what I call really jobs that's sort of beneath their strength. They are underemployed, underutilized. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I see technology back then through outsourcing as well, chipping away at the first run of this career ladder yeah. uh, through automation, through outsourcing. So from a graduate perspective, if not, they're not able to get on the first round of the ladder, ladder how are they going to climb the ladder uh, steps? Right. Right. And by the way, if you think of that downstream, it will decimate certain uh, profession. Um, five years from now, you're not going to have team leads. Ten years from now, you're not going to have as many managers. 20 years from now, you may not have as many leaders. Mm. I see that continue to happen. And this is in industry, I think the term is really technology replacement. And AI just happened to be the latest wave. Right, right. Uh, and it will be a significant wave. Now, one thing I will say is not everything is necessarily dim. Because as technology advances, there are new jobs and new opportunities. Data analytics, for example, is a field that really doesn't exist too much uh, in the current flavor just five, 10 years ago. And right now sure, it's in full sure. swing a lot of areas. Right. But the jobs that is created, in my view, is going to be far fewer than the job that it decimates completely. Mm. For people uh, in general, professionals, students, as I uh, advocate, is I tell them, work on the human-centric side. It is very hard to replace jobs that have a human high touch. And that is true for project managers as well. For project managers, if you are being a good facilitator, for example, trying to solve a problem, bringing the experts around the world, around the company to bear to solve that problems, try to sort of negotiate through different conflicts, soothe tension. You know, I can't see to think- AI is not gonna be able to do that. that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I can give you the best data analysis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's also going to be limited to the data that it has. So in project management world, I actually think project managers, uh, project management in general is one of the safer jobs around AI. Uh, I think there are a lot more <laughs> jobs that's going to be decimated by, uh, by AI from even including the medical field, yeah. say, radiologist yeah. to legal field or accounting field. Well, because project managers will naturally more migrate toward all these, you know, strategic projects we talk about, conflicts um, and various multimodal facet issues. That 
probably is not going to be replaced by AI anytime soon, simply because it doesn't have enough data. AI is not intelligent in itself. It manipulates data. It can analyze data at a speed that we human cannot match. Right. But garbage in, garbage out. So I I am optimistic about future project manager. I do think AI will replace a lot of the sort of the basic function. You'll be, for example, even this podcast, it could transcribe our entire notes, meetings perfectly at some point. It may even be able to summarize it. Mm-hmm. But is it going to be able to create new knowledge? Gotcha. That is a different story. Got it. Yeah, uh, it, it it is. A, it's it's an interesting time we're going in. There's and uh, I think you're right. I think that you know anybody looking out there, especially for the, for their future, is to really analyze. I love what you said about the human centric side of things. Something where you even the best AI could not do, and that's assembling people, dealing with you know critical thinking to solve problems and, and putting, you know, bringing the best of the best together, that kind of thing. Um, awesome, man. So uh, I, I have this question. I ask every one of my guests on the show, if you're going to hire a CEO uh, to take the reins for your company, what's the one book that you would require he or she reads before taking over for you? You know, I don't know about CEO, but one time I did recommend to my CEO at the time that everybody in the company should read Harry Potter. <laughs> I love Potter, it. Harry Potter was, you know, becoming really, really popular. And, and, and the reason I say this is I think people are very good at ch- doing what they're trained to do. But they're not necessarily very good at looking beyond what they are trained to do, number one. And number two is making connections and dots, uh, connecting the dots between different disciplines. Take project management. One of the biggest challenges of project managers, if you look at the failure of project management, usually doesn't happen when somebody's in charge of a particular area. It happens within the areas of integration, within mm. the areas in which one area stovepipe need to pass to another stovepipe, mm. or sometimes even a lack of perhaps imagination to see the future possibilities. So I recommend to my CEO at the time that, you know what? I think Harry Potter really gives people a very big channel for just this creative thinking, making up a world, a whole new world by itself, and but still connecting and grounded to something we could relate to. That's what makes Harry Potter so successful. Yes, cool. it is a fantasy. Sure. Uh, on the other hand, almost every one of them we wish we have or we wish we could do. So mm-hmm. it is still grounded in a essence of reality that we have. So I I think, you know, I was continued to stand by that. Uh, I generally don't believe um, a lot of the latest trends and um, that that, that you see, uh, fads that you see. Why? Because I think they'll work in a particular situation and context. And if you're in that context and situation, that's great. Mm. But very often the problem we solve is still human problems. Uh, as the world becoming faster through digitization, artificial technology, the limitation isn't the speed of the computer. And to be blunt, for most of average project problems and company problems that we have, it has not been the speed of computers probably for the last couple of decades. Mm. The limiting no, factor yeah. is our ability to understand it, to absorb it, to dissect it, to process it, and then to utilize it. So it comes down to human. And that's why I think the books uh, such as Harry Potter just give you so much room for imagination 
and hopefully connecting those dots. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Um, Professor, I'd like to summarize a few of my key takeaways from today. Uh, first was, you know, in project management, what are the what are the main reasons? That's kind of what we covered is why project projects fail or succeed or fail. And number one was, you know, are we able to truly understand the nature of the problem to it and the solution to it? And a lot of times what you see is they're really undermining the problem at stake. And you even see that on, on mergers and acquisitions where they're not truly addressing the cultural integration between the two companies. And I, I being in mergers and acquisitions myself, I absolutely agree, especially for the larger companies. Uh, number two is having strong leadership. Having someone there who is passionate about the project and someone who is the champion for it and willing to fight for the project as, as it's going through. And then the last one is, is, is again, kind of the, the people focusing on technology, but forgetting the human aspect and really empowering people. And the other thing that we talked about was really the future of project management AI. And that's something we had talked about before, you know, we're really, where's it going? And, and, and again, project managers are really on the on the safer side of things because they are working on the human centric side and yes there may be some things administrative tasks ai things that you can information gathering but by and large project management's a relatively safe uh, safe environment so let me ask you uh, professor if there was one takeaway that you'd really want the audience to absorb from our time together today what would that be most it be truthful to yourself one of the reasons that I think mergers and acquisition or large projects often fail is that people who are champion, for example, the merger acquisition aren't necessarily the people who's doing it. Um, so they see the glorious side of the end product organization that's beautifully merged, everything's worked through, but they, for whatever reason, have either lied to themselves or lied to investors in worst cases, about just the difficulties and the challenges ahead. So I think the big takeaway is be truthful to yourself. And by the way, also be truthful that if you don't think you know all the truth, which is completely possible. Uh, all of us have certain biases. We are exposed only to a certain amount of information. And when you are taking on making a risky and bold move, such as in the case of strategic projects, then ask, ask the right experts who can tell you. And I think in general, I like to believe in that human nature is good. I don't like to believe that politics should necessarily always get in the way. I understand that they truly exist. Yeah. But I think at the darkest of the hours, or even without self looking ourselves in the mirror, for example, in the morning, you know, ask yourself, what is the truth reality? And then we could pivot if we need to. I realize that's real life. Sure. Once you sure. lose that sense of authenticity and truthfulness to yourself, Nothing else is going to sit on a bedrock of evidence and data anymore. They're all going to build on a house of cards. Love it. Love it. Yeah, great comment. So, uh, Professor T, if, if any of our listeners wanted to reach out potentially to uh, take you up on uh, consulting and taking over project management for their company or to send some of their uh, team to get trained up to become a PMI certified uh, uh, project manager, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, um, visit my company's website, www.pmoadvisory.com, or connect me awesome. with on LinkedIn. Just type cool. Wu, and you'll find me. And that's T-E space W-U, correct? That is correct. Thank you so much. 
Awesome. Yeah, you bet. And we'll have uh, we'll have your LinkedIn uh, uh, profile link on the podcast page as well for anybody interested. Um, awesome, Professor. This is uh, this has been fantastic. Thank you for being here on my on the show as my guest. Thank you so much. It's uh, wonderful spending the last 30 minutes going through some, I think, of the bigger questions that all of us, especially business executives, yeah. need to address. So thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. And for the listeners out there, please hit the like and subscribe button and help us spread the word about the show and what we're doing here. We're helping the next generation of leaders and CEOs be that much more successful. With that, this is your host, Patrick Rogers, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to another episode of the High Performance CEO Podcast with your host, Patrick Rogers. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, check out our main website at patrickvrogers.com for much more valuable information and free resources.